This episode of Finding Demo Surf Fishing is being brought to you by the Kids Can Fish Foundation. Go over to kidscanfish.net and take a look at the awesome things that they're doing with these kids out of the St. Simons Island, Georgia area, and hopefully beyond with the clinics, camps, all these things that they're doing for the kids. All the money and donations that you do, because they are a 501c3 charitable organization, go back into the organization to help these kids get out and go fish. If they're going out to do a surf fishing clinic, they're leaving with a rod reel combo. They're leaving with good stuff. It cast nets, they're leaving with a new cast net. That way they know what they're doing, how they use the gear, and they're all set. With a lot of fun pieces all put together. Every year they host the annual Running of the Bulls tournament in October, and it's a ton of fun. And the money that goes to that same thing right back into the organization to help these kids all get out, go fish and learn. We have the addiction. It's time to pass it on to the next generation. And like their awesome, awesome unofficial logo is more tackle boxes, less Xboxes. I love that. Kids can fish done that. Welcome back, everybody, to a new episode, and this week we are getting on the old digital airplane, and we're going international. Yeah, we're going down to Mexico. We're going to Cabo, and I've been there a couple times on Disney cruises, which is a lovely time. I mean, it's a lot of fun. I've done some really cool other excursions, and after all the things that I've learned while surf fishing and following people through social media and YouTube and all that, um, I missed the boat on some probably the best fishing I possibly could have. Well, let's double it up one more. Uh, recently scrolling through and I came across a channel called the Cabo Surfcaster. And I'm like, what's this? And Wes has been doing this for a long time. It's really cool to see. And all of a sudden I'm seeing he's catching rooster fish from the surf. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I thought this was something you could only get in a kayak. What the hell? And then it just kept getting better and another catch and another catch and a different species. And this. I'm like, fury, just rage from missing out on all this opportunity well thankfully wes is coming on the show so this week that's right we're talking with the cabo surfcaster wes himself so without further ado welcome to the show man hey how you doing this is uh it's good to be on here i i ended up uh i just got done fishing on the beach and i got home and got your message so it's awesome to be able to get on here with you Dude, I am so pumped, and uh, congratulations on all the cool things that you're doing down there, uh, and just so much success, and all those years of knowledge, putting things together, and making this happen. Dude, seriously, congratulations on being that friggin' successful. Ah, uh, thanks. Uh, it's been it's been a fun journey, and it's uh, definitely changing, and in quite a few areas. Just uh, the fishery down here, and also the fact that everything on social media just seems to be shifting and, and how you have to create content and stuff, which is, um, it's, it's fun and difficult to keep up with at the same time, but, um, <laughs> but it's been good. Yeah. We had a good time doing it. Dude, it's, it's true. Before we even get into the questions, mm -hmm. the whole social media game has really just, you got to hit this wicket, this wicket, this wicket. Okay. Now you're okay. And then if you yep. miss one of those right back to the bottom of the algorithm, it's like, what did I do wrong? <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I feel like uh, we just got a handle on it and things are starting to change again. But um, but yeah, right now it's all about videos, short reels, and 
pretty much what I've found to keep up with it is uh, picture people's brains being the dumbest, laziest things you can possibly imagine, and then create something that will keep the interest of the laziest, dumbest brain person ever. And that, <laughs> that that's what's selling on, on social media, which you know, kind of sucks for us. I like doing longer form videos and more storytelling and uh, more adventure type stuff, but it doesn't get eaten up at all on social media. So you got to make 15 to 30 second reels and make stuff exciting, interesting, flash in the pan. And that's what gets seen. So yeah, I still like to make my own stuff on the side, longer stuff that people actually want to sit down and watch for a little bit. And I'll keep doing it. Yeah, I've been told by a couple of people that, uh, hey, you know, you're doing long form content. It's not going to be seen. I'm like, I don't care. I'm doing long form <laughs> content. This is what I do. I'm telling people's story. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. and that's one thing I love about podcasting. In reality, it's actually it's doing well. I mean, I, I wish I could say that, uh -huh. oh, I'm not doing this. It's doing quite well. And the downloads are wonderful. And hey, thank you to all of you that do that. I appreciate you. And we love you. But it's yeah, man, I agree. The old poop doom scrolling quickly, the quick uh -huh. thumb swipe. It, it's definitely the catch on, man. And it's a yeah. hard frigging thing to harness to pack in that much knowledge in 30 seconds to one minute. Uh -huh. It's just impo borderline impossible. Yeah. Yeah, that's why it's that's why it's pretty much useless for. I mean, that's what you call it doom scrolling because it it adds nothing to your day except a, oh whoa that's cool you know, um, yeah. so yeah you don't learn anything it's yeah, it's just a cool thing. I I filmed a lot of videos this morning. I got I've got probably content for ten videos this morning that I filmed, and it's like yeah it's it's amazing stuff great but it only lasts for 10, 15 seconds. <laughs> Uh, it's really painful it hurts to hear it and i'm like yeah. i get it and i totally do oh um, man all right so let's get into the podcast questions let's start at the very beginning tell us your story and what got you into fishing Whew. story huh start at the, at the beginning i uh my parents moved down here to cabo before i was born so i ended up growing up down here my whole life um and it was a completely different world when i was a kid down here um there was about ten thousand people that lived here in Cabo at the time, and now we're somewhere right around 400,000. Um, so that much growth in, in my life has just changed how things are 100%. Um, from the fishing to town, traffic, hotels, you know, all the craziness. Um, but then I, I ended up, uh, I always always really liked fishing. I was, I was fishing with my dad when I was really young, probably four, four or five years old. And, um, and then kind of went from there. We used to fish, just cut bait and light tackle around the rocks and catch all kinds of stuff, um, for fun and growing up. And then, uh, also along that, in that same time frame, I ended up, uh, getting into spear fishing as well. So I, I did a lot of diving, a lot of free diving, spearfishing and um, that was a good way to grow up you know and then when I got to be about 14 13 14 uh, I had a buddy of mine who came over to the house one day it was I remember it well because it was in June and it was Father's Day so I think it was like around the 16th or something like that and he came over to the house and goes hey take me down to your beach to go go fishing the 
everything's lining up, the tide's right, the water temperature's right, there's a temperature break off your point down here, and he's like, it should be really good right now. And I've walked outside, looked out, and it's probably blowing 20 miles an hour, and the waves are huge down, down on the beach, and I'm just, I'm looking at it, and everything looks kind of gray, the water looks green. I'm like, what are you talking about? It looks terrible. Like, I'd never fish on a day like that. Like, it just, you know, it didn't look like a fishable day at all. And he goes, no, nah, the tide this, this evening is going to be really good. We need to go down there. Just take me down there. And I'm like, ah, all right, let's go. So I went down. I had my setup was uh, about, uh, I think it was a nine-foot rod, just a little. And, and I was using it still for, for bait. So I had 12-pound mono on there and a little little spinning reel. And we get down there, and wind's blowing, waves are big. And there's a big school of mullet right in front of us on the beach. And they're just flipping on the surface out there. And he goes, here, tie this lure on. And he gave me a big, it was a ranger, one of the Roberts Rangers, the top water. And he goes, he goes, here, tie this on and cast it through the school real as fast as you can. And, and just keep doing it. So about the second cast through, I see the whole school just part in half. And there's probably 100 bait fish flying through the air. And a big rooster fin comes right down the middle. And my lure was coming right down the middle of that school and everything just parted and my lure was left in the middle and the thing just came right down the middle and smashed my lure right in front of me. And it was like, whoa, no way, you know, and, and he runs over laughing and he goes, enjoy it while you can. It's not going to last long. And, you know, he <laughs> goes, you're going to lose that fish right away. It'll, it's going to spool you. <laughs> and, uh, and I fought this thing. It got down to almost the knot on the reel. And, and then it ran down the beach. And so I chased this thing down the beach and probably about a mile down the beach, I ended up tiring this thing out and landing it. And it was about a 50 pound rooster fish and on 12 pound mono with a little, little surf rod, we got it up and I took pictures with it. And, um, and he goes, all right, we, let's get it back to the water. And Oh, what? This is the biggest fish I ever caught. I'm not letting this thing go. What are you talking about? He goes, no, no, no. We don't keep rooster fish. We, we throw those back. You know? and I'm like, well, how am I supposed to? You know, we got a picture of it. Throw it back in the water. Oh, all right. Yeah, I was like so disappointed. You know, at that age, I was like, you keep everything you catch, you know. And so we got it back in the water and went home. And turned out, we, I took the picture into the taco shop. And uh, Minerva, who owns the taco shop down here, she goes, well, you didn't catch it on that rod, did you? And I but yeah, no, that's my my. He's like, well, no one's ever caught one and registered anything on twelve pound test. That would have been a world record. And I was like, ah, oh, shoot. Well, give me a second. I I'm gonna go do it again. I know right where they are. I'm gonna go do it. And so I went back out the next day, threw the lure, same thing. It came up, ate the lure, took off, and in about thirty seconds, he goes. Bing! Bing. So it goes all the line. I go, oh, that's, that's what they do. <laughs> From then on, I was hooked on catching bigger fish off the beach on lures. And then I got a bigger setup, got a bigger reel, put instead of 12 pound mono, switched up to 20 pound mono. Now we're, now we're talking heavy stuff. You know? And then uh, I got over the course of that year, got spooled and broken off multiple times after that. Then I was hooked and it went bigger and bigger and better equipment from there. And that's kind of the, the transition from there and then I started guiding 
when I was about 17. And uh, I've been guiding ever since. This will be 18 or 19 years now. I'll be 35 next month. So um, it's been a good way to make a living. Good way to get up in the morning and start your day is on the beach. And, you know, if you get to take people and have them experience that and have them get on their first rooster or their uh, big jack crevel or, you know, we got so many cool fish that it's, it's really fun to, you know, you got to like, you got to like people to be in this business and you got to enjoy getting people on fish. And some of that's trained and some of it's by nature, you know, I'd, some of it, I had to like give up, you know, fighting my own fish and settle with hooking them, which is super fun. I mean, that, now now it's gotten to the point where I really enjoy it. So and then that kind of catches us up till now. I mean, I've been doing that ever since. So. <laughs> wow. I mean, th that's one way to get an addiction, and I can only imagine seeing that rooster fin saying, "Okay, that bait is mine, dude." That must have been intense. Uh, it was it was wild. I still I still remember almost everything from that day. I mean, it was that was one of those ones seared in your mind, you know. <sighs> way to go i mean you just basically are like yep this is it i mean yeah, that it doesn't get any better than that holy crap dude like i am i'm giddy for you so i can only imagine that you put bait fishing away pretty quick after that yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can yeah i don't see there any reason for anything after that one okay so you do have a lot of different type of fishing down there in cabo so what it sounds like you primarily do the surf but what type of fishing do you like to do um, I mean, I, when I get days off, it's fun to go out on the boat. I got buddies who got you know, boats down here and it's, it's fun to get out. I really like trying to chase yellowfin with, um, lures, casting them with spinning gear uh, from the boat and, you know, get out in the schools of porpoise or find them feeding on the surface out there and casting stuff at them and seeing them hit on the top. That's super fun. And they're actually, it's happening right now, unfortunately. Tomorrow we're getting hit with this big storm and my buddies were out yesterday and today and I couldn't get out with them today and they were booked on charters yesterday and they slayed them. I mean, they just, they lost multiple hundred pounders on poppers on the and it was just, you know, I was dying. Of course. Of course. And, yeah. And now we got the storm tomorrow coming in and it'll be uh, kind of garbage for another week or so. So you guys have some beautiful water in Cabo. I mean, granted, like I said, I've only seen it from the tourism side and you, you see it daily, but boating, fishing, surfing, swimming, scuba, all of it. Perfect. I, I can only imagine the paradise pieces you have. And you have such a great fishery for so many months. I mean, borderline year round. And I know we're going to talk about that a little bit further in here, but mm -hmm. it's yeah, I can I, I can I feel your pain and not going to be able to go out with friends and catch tuna. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. What is your favorite thing about fishing? Hmm. Uh, that's an interesting way to word that because it's not what is your favorite type of fishing or what is your it's favorite thing about fishing. Um, I think that's changed over the years. I think um, especially, you know, being a guide and being being the person who gets people on fish and tries to make that experience happen for people um that part of it has translated to me into um trying to get very specific moments uh on video and like in a in a really cool way 
So I really like that about fishing. It's almost, you know, for me, it's almost as good as the, you know, the hooking up on the fish itself and is, you know, being even behind the camera or capturing that moment, you can go back and watch it. And if it's, if it's shot the right way, you can go back and watch it a hundred times. And it, it's, it's good when you get home too. And you know, then being able to be creative with that and turn it into something that, you know, you can show people and it's all the little things that we as fishermen really enjoy about the sport is like, you know, when, when bait's blowing up and you can, you see it start to happen and your mind just keys in on it right away. And, you know, I've been, I've stared at the waves and the water my whole life and probably spent more hours on the beach than anywhere else. And it gets to the point where like, I know exactly when and how those things are going to happen sometimes. And if you get a camera on that, and can be right there and turn it into slow motion and then show somebody how it how it happens. I don't know. That's just I like showing people all the things that get me excited about it. You know, because oh, I've caught yeah. all I've I mean I've caught all the fish and I've caught them about as big as I'm ever gonna get them. And you know, so yeah, I know you. Some of our questions down the road are gonna be you know what's next and stuff. But yeah, that that'll lead into what I'm excited about. But, you know, this, this is what gets me excited on a daily basis is kind of the, the being able to capture it and re repeat it, replay it, um, and get those moments and kind of string them together into something really cool. Tell a story. Oh. And your videos do that. So if you guys haven't seen his stuff, when you go back and take a look, you'll see exactly what he's talking about. Your videos are very, very good about that. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Uh, what has been your favorite or craziest catch ever? Huh. Um, I'd say I got a couple. I, so, uh, one, I guess I have to have to lead with the the world record snook that I got about two years ago. That was wow. That was like kind of the the top, and and like you know, you you have a claim to something. You know, um, once you get a an all tackle record, that's that's a big one. It, it broke a 20 year old standing record. And so that, and it was actually the experience itself was one of the, the least rewarding oh, no. things ever. I, I didn't even know what I had hooked because it was in the evening and it was dark. And I thought I had hooked a rooster fish and that we were going to release it anyways. And it was too dark to get a picture of it. And so, and I hooked it on really heavy line and I'd, we had already hooked a couple of them and, and gotten good pictures. And I was like, all right, I'm going to horse it in. We'll get this thing off of here and get out of here. We got, we got to get back. It's, it's like eight 30 in the evening and sun's down. And so I had, I had a hundred pound braid and I just locked it down, walked backwards on the beach, held my spool and drug this thing up on the beach as hard as he was pulling. I was like, you're not going to break hundred pound in a straight pull. So I just walked backwards on the beach till he was up on the sand and the whole thing probably took, I don't know, four or five minutes. And turns out it was a you know, 51 and a half pound snook. And he came up on the beach and beat the world record by, what is that, 40, 47, by four pounds. So <laughs> that's an official win right there. <laughs> yeah. And it was just like, you know, wow, if I had known what it was, I probably would have babied it fought it forever, drug out the fight and been super careful and then probably lost it in the waves last minute because I was being too careful. Yeah. But, 
But yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, real quick, a, a couple other ones. I um, a really big Kubera snapper. It was the I think the year before that that I got on my own was uh, ended up uh, 73 pounds. Um, and I got that. I was all by myself. I was standing about 20 feet up on the rock and hooked that guy up in the rocks. And I landed him up through the rocks in the surf. And when I got him into the rocks, and he was laying in the in the mossy rocks in the in the water, I was hoping the wave would throw him up a little bit further. Right when I got him there, the line broke. And and I was 20 feet up on a rock, so I basically threw my rod, ran down the rocks, jumped on this fish in the white water as the next wave came up, and wrestled them out of the tide pool and that was an amazing catch my biggest snapper ever and the pacific snapper record is actually only 78 pounds so i was pretty close to a world record on that one and that's pretty wild then uh the other once once in my lifetime catch was a um, a golden phase leopard grouper which is an amazing fish if you guys have never heard of it or, or seen it you should look it up um, it's, it's kind of like, a uh, like an albino version of, of a species. It one out of every, I think they say like out of every 3000 or something comes out that color and it's bright golden orange. I mean, it, it looks like, like a tangerine and there's not a scale out of place on it. Every bit of the fish is that color. And he was about 15 pounds or so and just looked like a, like a giant bright orange grouper and yeah i couldn't believe it and I'd, i've only seen him diving a few times before in the wild and i got one to hit a lure off of an island way up in the cortez side and just super blown away as i was holding it i remember thinking like i don't want to let this guy go yet like i want to spend more time with him and I, I got a little bit of time in a tide pool keeping him alive and you know just you're just admiring him he looks like some mythical creature you know and then I jumped in the water with him to let him go and he took off like a bullet and it was it was really cool so those are probably I mean a few of a few of many really cool catches but yeah that's pretty damn awesome <laughs> <laughs> man yeah you've had some good stuff there then i mean that's i mean that, i'm not saying it's a full life but man is that oh. a lot of really cool memory building yeah yeah this if i ever you. if i ever doubt it all i have to do is go back through my phone and just start scrolling back through yeah. and i i think i have like forty thousand pictures on my phone and three quarters of them are fish pictures so <laughs> i get that <laughs> i think everybody yeah. will listen i to think this we all do that. yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, this is going to be a hard question then. I, I don't know if you're going to have an answer for this. What is a bucket list fish you want to catch? Ooh, that's not not super hard. I got I got about two or three that are that are right up at the top of that list. Um, okay. One is I would like to catch a a nice sized wahoo from shore from land based position, and um, it would it. So I guess that same in that same realm is a wahoo or a billfish big billfish or yellowfin tuna um so those those three fish are on my list of ones that i i would really like to get a big one from shore um just you don't hear about it very often in the world so 
that was gonna be my next question on that one is like is that a capable is, is that a, a an occurrence a common occurrence or an uncommon down there no uh, no one's ever done it down here um i don't yeah i don't know anyone who's landed billfish or or wahoo from shore there's a couple guys who've gotten some yellowfin i've caught some small ones um nothing nothing big but um it would be nice to get one with some weight behind it and have a have an amazing fight with it, you know. But uh, yeah, yeah. Some of some of those things. I mean, the the billfish category. Uh, you know, I stayed up at night trying to figure out how I would land it if I hooked it. You know, there's uh, there's different scenarios. Like so one of the smaller, medium ones. Yeah, you could probably probably stop it. But if you get into something bigger, it's like, okay, now what are we gonna do? How are we gonna and yeah, that that's a those are some bucket list fish right there. That's fair. I mean, th- those are some serious notorious ones. That's great. That uh, or there's there's a, a dog tooth tuna is another one. I'd have to go to the other side of the world for that. But um, that's another crazy fish. But dude, it's important. Like in our world, it's always good to have goldfish. It's like all right, you know, you can catch the same thing over and over, and that's fine and dandy. Mm-hmm. But there's just something about catching the unicorns that just yep. makes it the the, the end the never-ending pursuit <laughs> mm. yeah oh, good stuff all right so we're gonna start moving into the tips and tricks actually no i lied we got one more question in this category is there a dream place that you wish to go fish sometime Oof. um yeah there's a few and i'm i'm planning on trying to get to them in the next year to two years so um i got i mean oman's a big one for um a lot of the big fish over there the gts and yellowfin tuna i would have a blast over there for sure so that's definitely one on the list um and then uh yeah i think that uh probably there's some places uh in mainland mexico i'd like to go a few places off of south america that i'd like to go uh madagascar would be an interesting one too uh new, new zealand um new zealand's a good one for the those huge yellowtail they have over there um hmm, where else there's actually and i haven't done a lot of research on it but there's actually some really good uh really good places off of japan so you don't really think of japan as like a huge like you know area to go shore fish but i know a couple guys who have gone over there and done that and caught some really crazy fish those big dog tooth tuna uh, run through there as well see i would have thought japan would have been a great place to go for shore fishing but yeah i'm weird like that i'm like yeah where there's sand i I want to put my toes never really considered it till i yeah ran into somebody who who had done it out there so so funny you brought up oman um i was there i got set i was there on a deployment we hung out at the wow. embassy. We were there for a couple of days and I wasn't into surf fishing like I am now. And like, thinking of like, as soon as you said it, my butt hurt meter went up about 20 points. So uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. But yeah, Oman is a beautiful country. That's a real cool place to visit. I really yeah. enjoyed that place. Yeah, that would be, that'd be cool. Hopefully I can get out there one day. I'll be, I'll be following your channel watching. <laughs> well, yeah. we nailed into this one for sure. So we're going to move into the tips and tricks here, but before we do, we got to get into the bait checks. Let's do that.
is the first bait check of the episode. So make sure you're out there checking your bait. It's been a little bit. We're a little bit further in than we normally are. But hey, it's always important to make sure you get that. If you haven't caught anything yet, bring it back in, switch it up. Maybe you got to go top to bottom. Maybe you got to change up, maybe mullet. Who knows? Change it up. You got to catch fish. This bed check is being brought to you by The Sinker Guy. And then over to thesinkerguy.com and take a look at everything Chip's got going on in The Sinker Guy garage. You need rigs? He's got you covered. Sinkers? Well, yeah, it's in his name. He's got Sputniks, a whole bunch of them. You need a special size? Reach out to him. Chip might be able to hook you up. Terminal tackle, beads, and tools all in the shop. So thesinkerguy.com. Quick shipping, great customer service, and great products. I use it, and I can definitely endorse it because I love the stuff. All right, so now we're moving into the fun part here. Now, you've been, oh, your whole area, you've got holes, obviously. You've got honey holes. You've got spots that are, and yeah, I know this produces. I know this is good. But if you were to think about it, how would you do this? How would you plan your fishing trips? Hmm. Um, usually, I base stuff first off of weather conditions, knowing knowing how different spots are angled. Here at the tip, we have, like, there's such difference in weather from the inside the Cortez side to the Pacific side and you know when you're going every day you kind of know where the where the bait's been hanging out at and then uh, from there you kind of go with weather so how's the wind coming down usually because we have a big mountain range down the middle of the Baja we get uh, the wind comes down and splits either one side or the other so if it's windy on one side it's calm on the other usually and vice versa so you pick your spots depending on how you want to fish that weather and some of the beaches have you know a big hill on one side of them so it blocks some of the wind coming down from the north and you have a protected area on on the inside of that that you can fish and then also some sometimes it's the other way around but um also what we get here is uh we get a lot of change in the sand level so uh, the beaches will get a lot of sand added to them or subtracted off of them. And so it's important to kind of know which spots, if you're going for fish that are going to be targeting off of structure, then you want to know if those spots are going to be uncovered or covered up with the sand because it could that beach could change 50 yards, 100 yards different. Um, a lot of the spots could be covered up with sand one day or one week or, or something. And then the next week, you know, all those spots are uncovered and there's fish using it for structure and cover and bait fish coming into it. And so it, it has a lot to do with uh, how the weather's going, what the currents have done with the sand. Also, um, water temperature is a big one. And I think this one applies probably anywhere you're fishing. If you've ever heard all the guys talk about, you know, oh, there's a temperature break or a temp break or, you know, something like that. Usually what that refers to is you got cold water meeting warm water somehow, and it could be a matter of just a couple degrees different. Um, but wherever those, those two currents or temperatures meet is typically where you'll find a lot of the bait fish. And, um, and you know, once you find the bait, you find the bigger fish. So that's, you're always looking for that bait. And here, especially late spring, early summer, we have a very drastic temperature change. So coming up from the Pacific side, coming down, uh, we have really cold water coming down, which is, you know, really cold for us is, uh, in the mid upper sixties. And then out of the Cortez side, you'll get water that meets it. That'll be in the, you know, low to mid eighties. So, and that can meet 
so drastically that it'll be the difference between one beach to the next. And I mean, within a, within a half a mile, you can have a 15 and at times a 20 degree temperature difference within a half mile. And so that translates into like a lot of bait coming into one area and it, that's, that's where you're going to, if you're on the, if you're on the cold side of that temperature break, you could be in absolutely no fish at all. And if you're on the really warm side of it, um, where it's just been even for a while, you could also be in no fish at all. But if you get right on the spot, it could just be one of the best days you've ever had. So paying attention to that, looking at it, and certain times of year that temperature line moves overnight, it'll move to the next beach up and it'll move back to one. So you're constantly looking for that. I mean, even with the satellite, I mean, I subscribe to some, you know, satellite temperature sites online and, you know, pay money for updated images for that. But even with that, you know, they take three images a day or something. And I still go out to the beach. And the first thing I do is run down in the dark, stick my feet in the water. And, you know, right away, you know, it's like, nope, we're at the wrong beach. You know, it's it's ice cold. The water's ice cold. Get back in the car. You know, we're done. It's not even worth staying here. And so there's there's things like that. That's how you you kind of gauge where where the fish are and, and what conditions you want to fish in. And so that's that's one way I I kind of look at things. Dude, that thermal. I, I, that's no joke down there. You ain't kidding. And that's yeah. impressive that I didn't realize it moved like that. I figured once you got it out of the Sea of Cortez, once you got around the hook around, even with the tide movement, you were getting the bleed off. I didn't realize you'd have such a shift north and south. Yeah, no, and it's usually that break tends to be around the corner on the Pacific side, which is, I mean, that that's what's good for us is because we get all that migration of bait coming through there, and it sticks on some of the really good beaches over there. Yeah, and you're the first person to ever mention that about the uh, the sand cleaning off and covering the structure and the, the move back. That I haven't really heard that very much in any of the other episodes we've talked about, so that's a very... A, a, a real cool twist because normally mm -hmm. yeah I mean, you sand moves up we we all know it sand moves you get new breaks you get new holes you get new cuts you get all that fun stuff but to to hide structure and expose structure for fish life that's definitely a, a tough one and with your water clarity too i mean that really yeah. that really makes a huge difference because you can see i mean you know how that goes but yeah, I mean, there's, times, there's times a year where i you'll literally be standing on dry sand where you were catching fish a month ago. I mean, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> that's nuts, man. Yeah. That's absolutely crazy. Okay. So that's what you plan your trips. Okay. So you, uh, let's pick up from basically where you just said there with your feet in the water. Cause I think that's going to matter into the next one. Now that you've decided, all right, this is the beach I'm going to fish. How do you select the spot to start fishing? I am first thing in the morning. First thing you're looking for as it's starting to get light in the morning is any kind of bait activity. So especially this time of year from late spring to through summer, uh, the bait fish are mullet and they're, they're big, they're 12, 14 inch fish. And so that's big bait, big fish. You're, you're looking for big stuff, chasing them and anything that's chasing them is a big fish. So, um, those guys you're looking right up in the waves you'll see them get chased singled out crashed on and 
you know, sometimes you can see them on the surface. They'll be, you'll look down the beach way far and on a calm day where there's no wind, you'll see them kind of rippling on the surface or the mullet tend to flip naturally. If you've ever been around a school of mullet, they, they'll just sit there and kind of flip on the surface and while they're resting. And they make a noise also that it's kind of like a popping, like a popping noise that you hear. And, you know, you get so cued in on like, looking and listening for these things over the years that, you know, I can drive my truck down the beach. And if I kind of stick my head out the window, you can hear when they're popping in the surf in the dark out there. Oh, wow. So there's, there's times I'll drive by in the, in the dark. And I, I mean, I wouldn't even be looking at the water because it's dark out and you just be driving. And all of a sudden I hear them pop, pop, pop. And then you just stop the car and you're like, all right, we're here. You know, this is it. And you get out and as it gets light, there's the whole school of bait right in front of you. And you know, stuff starts going off, but that's, I mean, you, you want to look for bait first. Um, I mean, that's always the, the best thing. Sometimes if that's not working, you want to go fish some structure, then go down to one of the corners or rock piles where you see structure around and switch up your lures, go from, instead of on the big sand beaches, fishing like top water or, um, or faster jigs and stuff on the big sand beaches, then you switch over in the rocks to um, stuff more like stick baits or poppers or swim baits that you can work a little bit slower and twitch and work more natural around the rocks and hope for some reaction strikes around the rocks. That's a good way to do it too. Really cool add in there with you did uh, rock fishing versus sand fishing. That's mm -hmm. uh, I'm not saying I picked that up from you, <laughs> but uh, I, I may have noticed something in your videos. I'm like, why is this? Ah, well, I see what you're doing. Yeah. Very, very cool in the knowledge. Yeah. All right. So we've got those pieces there. Now, uh, is there a certain tidal swing uh, swing that you prefer to fish or anything like that? Or does tides not matter to you? What do you look at there? No, you do. You do get, um, you definitely have some, some good changes with, with more tide movement. Uh, fish tend to feed more aggressively with more extreme tide motion so um and that happens around the extremes of the moon cycle so you get a full moon or new moon and your tides are more pronounced if you look at a tide chart um during like a, a new moon or something the days like the one or two days leading up to it and one or two days after you get the tide swings are way up and then way down and then way up and then you get into the midpoint in between which is you know half moon obviously. And then your, your tide swings are just kind of very gradual. The, the highs aren't very high. The lows aren't very defined lows. It's just kind of a, a little squiggly line across there for your tides. And that tends to be kind of the worst part in the cycle for fishing is when there's very little tide movement around a half moon. So you either want to choose one or the other. And a lot of people are like, well, you know, full moon fish feed at night and they're not going to be hungry in the morning. And you know, there, I think there's some truth to that, but it tends to happen more offshore in the blue water stuff uh, where fish are just always swimming and always, I think inshore, all the bait um, rushes into the beach right early in the morning and that full moon doesn't, doesn't make a difference on how fish feed. They just go off of the tides. So it's, it's better to be on one extreme or the other, full moon or new moon around those tides is best. And one hour either side of the, the extreme of the tide, whether it's the high tide or the low tide. I kind of prefer high tides. Um, so an hour leading in, the hour after, uh, those are good times to fish. 
Very interesting. Uh, you bring up some really cool points there with the difference in the moons, because normally full moon fishing always just pisses me off because um, I don't have a lot of luck. It's like every time I go out full moon fishing, I've, they've been eating all night and, you know, I was sleeping. So I'll admit it with my failure. Uh-huh. But, you know, you, you try to get them in the morning and the day. They're like, bro, I'm full. I'm just going to lay here, man. <laughs> but uh, with the way the tidal swing works, that's a really cool new new nugget of knowledge there. Very nice. Um. But you brought up one, and this isn't on your list yet, uh, but you brought up a really good question about nights. Uh, what are some effective strategies for surf fishing at night, and what kind of safety precautions should anglers take during that nighttime fishing? So, yeah, that's an interesting one. I I don't do a lot of night fishing as it is, mostly because a lot of the fish that we're targeting, um, especially if you're going for form with lures, are very visual feeders. And I, I haven't had a lot of success fishing lures at night, um, which I know on the East coast of the U S they've, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of the key, key hours going for stripers or something like that on the East coast and all those guys fish at night. And most of the time they don't even think about going out midday, (laughs) but, um, but yeah, the nighttime stuff, I know a lot of guys down here who are successful with it, but when they're fishing cut bait and, you know, pyramid sinkers on the bottom or, um, throwing out chunks of mackerel or, or skipjack or, um, they'll get into sometimes some snapper. Um, but you know, they end up fighting a lot of stingrays and puffer fish and yeah, you know, sharks, like little sharks and stuff. But it's kind of, I don't know, that never really was too interesting to me, I guess. I didn't, so. yeah, I didn't like sitting around forever and waiting for the bite. Yeah, it doesn't um, sound I, like that's your type of fishing. Like your your yeah, type of fishing is is up and active. You're an yeah. active walker, and I I love that. And I've noticed that. Like yeah. you, I don't see you out there with the beach cart lugging the monster, <laughs> setting the sand spikes. No, you're a mover, and I, I think it's really cool. It's an important too because yeah. you know you can go change anything in a moment's notice. But I, yeah, I was wondering if you did that at night. I was like, bold night fishing. Different yeah. species come out to play. Yeah, I mean, some of the guys do good. Uh, one of the one of the fish that they do good on that I actually don't hardly ever get on lures is uh uh triple tail down here they oh, get some, okay they get some really big triple tail down here at night on bait just sitting around and you know I've, I've almost been tempted to go out and do it just to knock knock it off my list and get a big one on on that but it's it's still it's one of those things I'm like oh, yeah, that sounds so uh just like a dumb way to like frustrating way to fish you know i i don't know i'd dealing with bait and sitting around i don't know it's just one of those things for me i'd, I'd rather try and catch them I've, I've hooked them twice on lures and lost them both times on the way in because they jump and they're a squirrely fish and um yeah I'd, i actually on one of them i had a camera tied on my line and so i got the underwater footage of him biting the lure and the whole fight and watched how i lost him <laughs> which oh. was pretty wild it, it was crazy to me how much the hooks traveled around on him and i i caught him on a stick bait and i had one hook in the corner and one hook on the on the side of his cheek then the one in his mouth came loose and he was only hooked by the cheek and he started shaking around he hit a rock and it bumped it and the one who was in his mouth stuck to his forehead and then the one that was on his cheek came loose and then i was pulling him just from his forehead and then I ended up losing him off of his forehead one, which was never one of the original hookups on him. 
So uh, just crazy. It's a hell of an afterplay, though. I mean, which, yeah. which cam system were you using? It was I just tied one of those uh, little water wolf cameras on there. Yeah, yeah, I know what uh, you're talking about. Okay. Yeah, and they're I mean they're kind of a kind of a hokey camera, cheap. I wish that I wish some company would come out and do a really good one of those. I know I think Weston is doing one um, similar, but you know it just seems like a good quality one of those would be such an addition to the film world of fishing not just the you know they they're doing it so that you can cast it out on a pond with bait and just let it sit on the bottom and you can look at your bait but um for a, an active casting added video content that would be a really cool thing if you could get it in higher quality and something like that but, so there's yeah. a couple uh well we can talk after the show i know yeah. one i have one in my brain that's telling me it might huh. be right up your alley but um like i I hear a lot with, uh, especially in our community, the, the go fish cam, um, uh -huh. is a big one here. And, uh, the only issue I have with that one and the one that I have, which I'm not going to talk about here on this podcast, I'll talk about another time because uh -huh. I haven't got full troubleshooting done with it is, you know, it's great cause it's neutrally buoyant, which is like, okay, that's fine and all, but they're four ounces. So yeah. I mean, you're already hucking one thing out. Yeah, and it's like, all right, how much do I want to see if I can uh, make this rod go on that much yeah. weight? So yeah, I, did, I actually did throw around the the Go Fish Cam for a little while. Uh, oh, did you? Okay, did some footage with it. Uh, I I liked I liked all the footage that I got. That was actually most of the stuff not ever connected to the fish. As soon as I hooked fish with it, um, for some reason or another, the uh, it seemed like the the automatic light sensor on it wasn't keeping up with the, um, if you had a fish that had any kind of shine to it and it shone, it was just like this giant white shiny thing in the screen and, and it didn't compensate for the, um, it was like their, their light sensor or something on the, on the camera. So it, then it was just like, you're just looking at this big, like shiny silver thing going and there was no definition in the video, which was kind of, a little disappointing on that so I, I quit using it actually because of that maybe it, maybe it's a glitch they've fixed since then but um it was back in the day when they first kind of started coming out with it and um i was i was actually excited to use it but uh i know the water wolf even though it was lower quality video did compensate better for that that particular thing yeah i think the water wolf was pretty light too if i'm not mistaken it was like a yeah. like two yeah. ounce or something yeah it was it was super light and then uh but it was only it only recorded uh, 720p. Ah, so yeah. when you're trying to mix it into like either 1080 or 4K stuff, then it, <laughs> it, it doesn't really like looked, that. Yeah, it really looked low quality. <laughs> um, yeah, that hurts. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the lures. So you've mentioned a couple different ones. I mean, you've mentioned poppers, mm -hmm. stick baits. What other kind of lures that you like to use uh, for your fishing? Uh, typically, when when I'm going out, I'll have. Uh, uh, at least this time of year, about three, three styles, and then you know multiple, you know, different lures or brands or models around the styles. Uh, the stick baits are, are a big one. I really like fishing stick baits a lot, um, just because they're very versatile. You can work them faster, and if you need to, you can skip them up on top. And then if you really want to slow them down, you can go really slow and just like slow twitch them, and they'll swim back and forth and look very natural. And especially some of the custom made ones are, you know, they're so natural looking now. They look, you can match some of the baits so well with them. 
Um, that, that's a good one. And they cast fairly decent. Uh, and then another style would be, you know, then you go from your stick baits that are kind of subsurface to uh, surface lures and, you know, skipping lures. And those tend to be a really great tool in your sort of fishing bag, so to speak, because they cast really far. They tend to be some of the better casting lures. Um, real streamlined, got some weight to them, something that's, you know, two and a half to four ounce. Um, and you can launch them a mile out there and then reel really fast and have them skipping across the surface. And they draw in fish from out further. You can cover a lot of ground with them. Usually what I'll do is walk a big sand beach and just cast. I'll cast, do a full cast and I'll walk 10 steps while I'm reeling in or something. Make another cast way out there, walk another 10 steps as I'm reeling in. You know, it, you're kind of covering, systematically covering a beach and you can get out I mean, with some of my uh, better ones that are weighted just right for the, the setup I'm throwing, I can get about 180 yards out of a cast. And so nice. you're covering a lot of lot of water as you walk down a beach and you go two, 300 yards down the beach casting every 10 steps and you've covered a lot of, a lot of ground. Um, that's a good way to do it. And then, you know, then you have... I'd say poppers kind of fall under that same category a little bit, except uh, I prefer something like the like the GT ice creams um, that are more of a surface lure that you're you're kind of smoking in on the surface, mainly because well, one poppers take a lot of work to 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 work them. I mean, once yeah, you they do do. <laughs> ten or fifteen casts on a big popper, your arm's about to fall off, and so there's there's that. Then the other is a uh, if you have fish actively feeding around you on the beach, uh, poppers tend to be just a pain in the butt because you see a fish come out chasing, you make a cast, maybe your cast is a little bit off and you land behind the fish and the fish is still going and he's going all the way up to the shore chasing this bait fish. With a popper, you don't have, because it's grabbing water on the way in, you don't have enough time to smoke it in quick and get another cast on that fish. With any other surface lures or stick baits, you can pop it up to the surface and reel really fast and come in with it and get another cast on it really quick um, and have a chance at that fish. And so poppers tend to be kind of a you know, hindrance when you have a lot of a lot of activity going on. Um, but they're also a good tool for drawing in fish when you just need the biggest, meanest splash in the ocean. You know, you, you're trying to turn the heads of all the fish out there. You can You can make a big splash with some good poppers. So there's that. And then another time of year, we use a lot of jigs, like uh, um, sardine-type jigs. Uh, we'll even take some of the smaller vertical jigs for, uh, like, offshore fishing. Stuff that's in the 3-ounce range, like 100-gram 100 100 gram stuff. And looks like a sardine or something like that. And those also cast a mile. You can let them sink down to the bottom on big sand beaches and then jig them up fast from the bottom and get bites from the Sierra mackerel that we get down here. That's a really good one. So I'd say half the year we fish jigs and stuff like that. And then the other half were stick baits and poppers and surface lures. Uh, Very cool. Okay. That makes a ton of sense on the different mm -hmm. fish too. And I, I like the knowledge piece. Um, this is actually a perfect time. We've been going 50 minutes and so now we need to get another one done. Oops, a little behind. <laughs> Thank you.
this is your next bait check of the episode. Hopefully you've caught a bunch of fish and this knowledge. Hopefully you've been like, all right, I'm done with this. I'm throwing on a lure, man. This is just getting me better. And you're just going to start playing different games because there is a ton of little cool nuggets right there. Just dropped, especially on how to cover more beach. Hopefully you guys picked up on that. This bait check is being brought to you by Ninja Tackle, NinjaTackleVA.com. Great website for getting your hands on those rods from seven footers up to 13. You guys know I love the seven footer for the days where I'm throwing really close to shore, my kayak, stuff like that. I have two Ninja Diagers uh, that are 12 inches. I've got my 8.6 and I'm throwing metal on and other lures. I'm throwing that all out there. Love that set of products. You need reels, rigs, bait. He's got it all in there. If you're into shooting and firearms and firearm accessories, Ninja Tactical. Lots of great other cool pieces in that side for you to take a look at always good matt's doing great things and he's got great customer service and he's there to take care of you so ninja tackle va.com okay so now we've really crushed into this man i don't you target so many different fish though you don't do you go out with a hey look i'm catching roosters and roosters only or do you kind of go with a range of what you want to target uh part of it depends on the time of year there there we definitely have specific seasons for a certain fish um the roosters and jacks tend to be together most of the time. Uh, so it's, there's a time of year where it's kind of roosters, jacks, and, and really big needlefish. We get these needlefish that are like five foot long and um, wow. huge. I mean, they, they look like a small marlin or something. But, and they're, they're kind of, they're fun. Everyone, a lot of people see them as like a nuisance fish. But when you get into the really big ones, like you know, we caught one a couple weeks ago that was uh, 20 pounds. And I mean, that's Jeez. a big needlefish. Yeah. Huge needle. right, yeah. That big around and you know, it has a head that's as wide as my hand when you go to grab them across the back of the head. And, uh, they're, they're a cool fish. I mean, granted, you know, roosters are kind of what everyone wants to go for. But so one time of year is, is kind of those roosters, jacks and needlefish. And that's the about uh, end of May through uh, we'll, we'll still have a couple roosters hanging around through September. And so we're coming up to, to the end of the season right now for them. Um, as soon as the storms start rolling through, they kind of move on. Uh, so that's the season for, for the roosters. Then we get into the fall where it's like October, end of September, October, November, even December. And we have a good shot at uh, catching Dorado from the shore or mahi or dolphin fish, you know, they <laughs> depends where you're at, what they call them. Depends but, on uh, what, what area yeah. of the world you're in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, but they come in in the fall close enough to where you can cast to them from shore and get them on topwater stuff. So you're skipping those GT ice creams or, or jigs too. You get, you get jigs and smoke them across the surface and you get some good bites on, on mahi. You don't land a lot of them because they're really good at jumping and shaking out the hook. And that's just kind of a signature move for them. But they are very fun to hook up to, and they're fast as lightning when you're chasing. You can't outrun them by reeling as fast as you can go. So that's that's a really fun one that time of year. Then we get into December, and about mid-December or so, all the Sierra mackerel start showing up. The water cools down, and they're a fun one because they are also very good to eat. They're some of the best eating fish down here. And they look just like a Spanish mackerel on the East Coast, but they're different. They're, they're a different... Um, different variety i guess and they have super white meat not oily not fishy and oh, wow. some of the best eating fish you'll yeah you'll ever have so and you can have mornings where you get into a lot of them like you'll you'll get them they're a quick bite super early in the morning but you can get them back to back um on casts i mean you can literally cast 
15 times and catch 10 fish. You know, I mean, it's there, there can be mornings like that. And they're, they're super fun. You keep them. They're in the mackerel family. You're not in danger of wiping them out. So you can keep as many as you want. There's no limit on them. And um, that's, that's all with jigs that time of year. So metal jigs, early morning. And, you know, bite is pretty much done by about 8.30 or so. They're, they're done and out of there by, by that time. And so that's that season lasts from about mid-December through, I'd say, beginning of April or so. And and then, you know, another month goes by, and then you're back into the, you know, Cabrera snapper, the Colorado snapper, and then the rooster fish start showing up, and you have an overlap with them. And so it's it's a year-round thing, I'd say. Probably our slowest time of year is, is starting about now, where... We get the really hot water in. Our water is almost up to 90 degrees, and most of the areas around here it's 88 to 90 degrees. And the fish start to move out to deeper water, and so it's not quite as productive until we get some of those storms clear out some of the warm water. Okay, yeah, warm water is never, in my opinion, it's not a good yeah. combination with surf fishing. So you you want that mid range where you're going to get uh -huh. plenty of customers to come in and get after it. Mm -hmm. What do you do when you go fishing in a brand new place? Brand new place. I, mean, I guess you kind of take a little bit of your knowledge from home, wherever you're used to fishing, and you start there. You, you translate it into that, and then you, yeah, obviously, you know, I like talking. So um, <laughs> you start talking to people in the area. Start, uh, you know, talk to some of the locals and you know, ask them, ask them what they've seen. That doesn't mean that they've caught that fish or the way that you would catch it. Um, just ask them, you know, what are those, what feeds around there? What's, what's the possibility of, of getting stuff? So I'd, that's, that's a big thing. I've gone, I went to Australia, I fished Australia a few years back and, um, it was fun going out there and taking what I knew from here. And, you know, I'd, went out there and the guys told me half the stuff I was doing for out here wouldn't work out there. And, you know, don't, don't take it at face value, you know, go, go ahead and do it yourself. You know, I, I found a couple things that they laughed at me because I had a 12 foot rod and all of them, they all use like seven, eight foot, eight foot stuff, eight and a half max. I mean, they, I even had a nine foot rod and they're like, Oh, that's too long. <laughs> and so I got out there. I'm like, well, you know, screw that. I'm still taking my 12 foot rod because that's what I catch fish on. You know, that's, that's what I know how to fish with. And we got out there camped on these islands way offshore. And sure enough, morning time came around. We were on the rock as gray light was coming around and you could see a big school of fish out in the distance in this, in this bay kind of coming in. And it was, they have a long tailed tuna out there and, it's kind of kind of looks like a, a skinnier version of a bluefin tuna. Okay. Uh, and they get up to I don't know. I'm not sure what they got up to. I got one that was about 40 pounds. It's like 35, 40 pounds. And uh, they they came into a certain distance, and my buddy who was out there was he was casting with his eight foot rod, trying to whip a jig way out there, and you know not making it out there. And I'm like. Well, I, I could I could overshoot that whole school right there. You Hold know, my beer. Yeah, exactly. So, 
put a jig on and whipped it way out there and it was like it was like uh like nah well right away hooked up right away so anyways that was that was a fun one to that was a fun one to disprove them on on that he didn't think i'd be able to land it it, it was no problem so um that and i went to I've, I've fished florida a few times which is not too dissimilar from you know what we do here but uh i wanted to get a big tarpon and i had been going back for years and uh to the same spot trying to get a big tarpon off the dock and you know everyone said ah oh, you can't land it from the dock you can hook it from the dock but you have to hop in the boat and chase it down in the boat and uh, I took my surf rod, same one. I've got all my big fish on down here, and and they go, nah, you're gonna pull the hook on that. That that rod's too long. You're just gonna pull the hook on him. And nope, sure enough, it was second second attempt. I pulled the hook on the first one. I'll I'll, I'll be honest. I did pull the hook on the first one. Second attempt, <laughs> got the hook in it, and this thing went nuts, jumping everywhere. I had to put a ton of pressure on him, and everyone was yelling at me to get in the boat, and I didn't didn't want to get in the boat so I stayed on the dock and I managed to turn them around and the thing taped out to between 180 pounds 200 pounds it was a big fish Ooh, yeah and that's, that's not tiny no land landed it got it up there with my with my surf rod and felt pretty good so all that to say you know go into the area ask a little bit about it get a feel for it but then you know do what you know and and what you what you're comfortable with and what you trust in, you know, that, that always, you know, like they say, you're going to catch fish on the lure you have the most faith in. Yeah. 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 That's the one you're going to tie every time too. It it never fails. I don't fish crocodiles too much, but I know some guys that, you know, fish crocodile lures and they have so much faith in those things and they go out and they've outfished me um, a couple of days on the beach with their crocodile lure. And I'm like, shoot, I don't fish them that much, but you know, you're, Yeah, it gets yeah. me in trouble having some favorites. I shouldn't, but I really do. I was like, mm, "Yeah, you're still good." Yeah, and then you feel really bad when it flies off. Um, <laughs> okay, yeah, gotta go buy another one of those. Yeah, oh yeah, it gets gets you good. Oh, uh, okay. You've dude, you crushed this. Thank you so much. You've just been nailing this one for the tips and tricks and knowledge. Now let's get into your business. Let's talk about guiding. Um, I mean, you you started off an interesting point there in the beginning. You know your buddy came by and that's when you caught the monster rooster here. Uh, and that, that would have been like the set match for me. Like, yep, this is what I'm doing, but what got you to say, all right, that's it. I'm going to be a guide. It was actually someone else down here. Um, there was a, uh, a guy who sort of run a taco shop down here. And a lot of, a lot of people come down here know uh, Jansen lures. And it was Stefan who way back in the day, I'd hang out in his tackle shop and we'd just talk fishing half the day. And he goes, Oh, you should start taking people out. You know, I used to guide, don't do it anymore. And you know, I, you should take people out. I'd all send people your way that, and I was like, ah, I don't know if I want to do it for work. You know, I, I like doing it for fun. Don't, I'm not sure if I want to turn it into a job. And then, you know, he kept, kept pushing for it. And I was like, oh, all right, well, you know, shoot, I'll buy a couple setups. Uh, yeah, I'll do it. And so then it was like one of those, you know, I'd take one person out a week or something like that, or a couple people out a week and not, it wasn't a very big, big deal. And just a little bit of extra money on the side for gas and lures. And then it, uh, I think it really started taking off. Well, then, then I got married and then it was like, well, 
if I want to keep doing this for work, I actually have to turn it into a job and like actually advertise and take it serious and like yeah. actually make money if I want to pay rent, you know? So, um, yeah, then it, then it was more, more serious. I started, I advertised a little bit more and then the whole social media thing kind of took off. I remember before it was all, you know, you just printed pictures out and you had, you know, printed your Kodak or your pictures out at Costco, you know, and you showed people here, here's a stack of pictures, you know, flip through those. And then it became, you know, you started posting stuff on Facebook and on Instagram. I, Instagram even came later. I mean, that was, that was quite a bit later, but, uh, as soon as you started doing that, then you start getting all this attention. And I remember it was like, I never took out a person that I hadn't met in person before, like at the tackle shop or it was like a direct, a direct contact person. And like, I never booked people ahead of time, which was interesting. It was always like, I'm standing in the tackle shop, meet someone. Hey, you want to go out Thursday? I got room Thursday, you want to, you know? And then it switched from that to now I'm booking people online before they even come to Cabo. And that was like a huge deal. And, and that's just about the only way that it happens now. So, um, yeah, it's just, just an interesting journey and in how stuff changes. And now I don't advertise at all. And, you know, most of the time I'm looking for a day off and it's nice to have just a, a day that you're not, you know, on the beach that you can go out and either fish for yourself or, you know, fish on the boat or do something a little different. So it's changed for sure. Damn the success. Yeah. yeah, yeah you know that's great dude i mean seriously that kind yeah. of that that's phenomenal with the growth i mean it's and to be able to get it through word of mouth business or people have seen you and then they know like yeah this guy's legit you built that and you've just created this monster and it's doing well it's all i mean it's all on your back and all that hard work and it's paid off so well and your your stuff is well, going to be a fun yeah, if you're consistent for year after year, then you know it just turns into something. <laughs> yeah, it kind of does. Who knew? <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. What comes with going on a trip with you? Ah, so you get to get out of tourist Cabo, which is kind of cool. I think that's that's a big thing that kind of gets overlooked because everyone who comes to Cabo, you know, it's just always the party scene or downtown or the the marina and it's it's neat to get away from all of that and get up on some of the some of the beaches where some days I mean, we never even see anyone else you know you're out there you're all on your own and so we get up there we meet actually right now because mexico is no longer doing daylight savings time change now really good, uh, yeah good for the them i am it's, fully on board with that yeah it's kind of crazy so now i mean because we chase the light in the morning now, instead of meeting people at 5.30, now I meet people at 4.30 in the morning, which is, that's always a fun conversation to have with someone who's on vacation. Is, uh, I'm going to see you at the dock at 4.30. And they're like, say what? <laughs> yeah, that's what um, I said. Yeah. So, yeah. So, we, we meet at 4.30 right now, and we've been fishing till around 10, 10.30 in the morning. And most of that action happens earlier in the morning, that first light all the activity and some days it pushes through the morning longer and we're chasing fish longer. Um, and it's, it's cool because now we, uh, you can actually scout for fish with drones, which is neat. 
So we bring a drone along and on those really big, you know, multiple mile sand beaches that you don't know where the bait is or what's going on, you can fly the drone down the beach and be like, oh, one mile down the beach that way, there's a school bait, it's got four roosters on it, let's go. And you can run down the beach and go target those those exact fish, which is just a neat thing nowadays that we can do. Um, and, you know, all the gear is included, and I'd say just bring sunscreen and a bottle of water, and you're pretty much good. Nice. So. Yeah, technology has made things somewhat easier sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so what do you do or what do you normally target with a charter? Is it kind of, Hey, look, this is the species. This is what we're doing. Or is it just hey, customer wants this? This is what we're firing after. No, nah, it's pretty much like, this is what's going on. Because if, if you go into like, you know, if you're not in rooster season and you know, like 95% of the people coming down, like, oh, I want to catch a rooster fish. That's on my bucket list. You know, it's like, well, there's not really rooster fish around right now. So, I mean, why don't we go for, you know, whatever's going right now you know right. and that way we're not just casting at water so i mean it, it is it is definitely what what's there let's go catch something what regardless of what it is it's going to be something cool probably something that no one's they haven't caught before um and even if it is it's probably going to put up a good fight so yeah I, I think that's what everyone's after in the end is some action anyways so probably uh, yeah, uh, right now, surprisingly enough, even in the middle of rooster season, you can go out mornings and like I went out this morning, probably saw some of the most activity that I've seen all year. Uh, it was crazy, you know, right before a storm. Yeah, the storm front. The yeah, fish were just going nuts and jumping and chasing and feeding. I didn't catch a single fish. Really? Yeah. I mean, get that. And, wow. But I got some of the coolest videos you'll ever see. Uh, <laughs> there's a win <laughs> yeah there's a, i had to i finally after i figured out that it was going to be really tough to stick into a fish i was like all right screw it and i'm grabbing the camera and i'm going to film and i had my buddy with me and he was casting and stuff but it takes when the fish are like that they're so keyed in on the bait fish yeah. and where the bait fish were the water had no visibility it was really murky a lot of silt in the water mm. and they were coming up and feeding on the surface and you had to put your lure right on top of them while they were feeding and and it was just you had to be a perfect aim and even with that you had to have some luck and it was just more fun shooting them with the camera and filming them and you know and and you'll watch the videos and i i told uh, my buddy on hill i go i go man people are going to watch these videos and i guarantee you every single person who watches this video in their heart is going to think oh i would have had that fish if i was there <laughs> if, if i was there that fish would have been mine no, because we're shooting it, and then I'll slow it down in slow motion, and you shoot it in 120 frames, and you can slow it down to where it looks all buttery smooth, and the fish yeah. is just right there chasing, and you're like, oh, I could have put my lure there 10 times, and he would have eaten it. And in reality, it all happens that fast, and they're moving forward so fast that you, by the time your lure flies through the air where you think it's going, they're already 20 feet ahead of you. Yep. And, and you... I mean, the proof is we both threw around at them for hours this morning and neither one of us got a fish. Um, so it's, uh, I don't know, but the, I mean, the morning for both of us, even, even us who were like out every single morning and seeing it this morning, we both went away smiling at each other going, that was, that was an amazing morning. We had so much fun. And so, I mean, it's, 
that's what you get. You get out there, you get to experience it. Sometimes you see them, sometimes, you know, hooking up to them is a bonus and you get that picture of your giant rooster on the beach and sometimes they'll feed all the way up to your feet and you still can't get a hook in them, you know, but you just never know. Every day is different out there. (laughs) Yeah. Why aren't you eating my... Why aren't you eating it? Give oh, it my I almost snapped my rod in half today. I was I was so so fired up on one. There's two big roosters came in feeding. And they were chasing this one bait, and they were just thrashing like a ten foot square area. And I went for a cast, and as soon as my lure hit the water, it foul hooked. Oh no! Wow! And and it just dug into the water, and I couldn't get it back quick enough to get another cast. It was like 100 yards out there, and it was foul-hooked. And I drug it through a school of feeding roosters, foul-hooked. And it would I felt like in my heart it would have been a fish for sure. You know, it was a perfect cast. It just landed and foul-hooked on itself. And felt like snapping my rod in half midway through the morning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that, yes. I think everybody feels what you just felt right there. Like I'm feeling it over here. Oh, <laughs> uh, um. So you go out of Cabo, is that basically, I mean, hell, that's pretty much your service area then is Cabo. I mean, people are going to go there. It's not mm-hmm. like they're going to be running further up. So I, I go going to go ahead and skip that one. How do people book a charter with you or look up going on a charter with you? Uh, best way is uh, online. I got a website, uh, cabosurfcaster.com. Uh, you can also email me. My email is same thing, cabosurfcaster at yahoo.com. And yeah, just shoot me an email. I can send you all the info. That's those. That's the best way to do it. I used to do stuff over social media, but that just got too complicated. I lost too many messages. So now I only do it over email or through the website, which is also goes straight to the email. Uh, so that's the best way. Perfect. All right. Well, let's do this last bait check and then we'll get into the social media because you nailed in a really good piece with social. And I think it's a really important topic to dig in. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're going to get right into that. So, yeah, without further ado, let's check that bait. It is your third and final bay check of the episode. Hopefully you're doing just fine. This bay check is being brought to you by DS Custom Tackle. DSCustomTackle.com, great website, lots of cool stuff in there. Everything that you could need to possibly get. If you need to get hooks, done, floats, easy day, jigs, teasers. Yeah, they got it. If you want to be in there for your tackle supply, they'll take care of you with that. They can get you all set up. You just reach out to them. They'll happily have that conversation. DSCustomTackle.com. Get your order in today. You won't be sorry. Oh, all right. So we started talking a little bit there about social media. Let's continue with it. What made you decide, all right, I'm getting into content creation. I'm doing a YouTube channel. I'm putting all this on lock. <laughs> Uh, I guess that just came from uh, a little bit of what I was talking about earlier, just enjoying sharing those moments with people. And, you know, most people don't get to experience some of that. They never see rooster fish feeding and like having them chase stuff all the way up to your feet or, you know, just the, you know, all, all that cool stuff that we see as fishermen when you get out there and just gets you pumped. I mean, whether it's, you know, you're on a bass pond somewhere and you're, fish in top water for bass and you see them blow up on something over there and you're just like your your legs go weak and you get your cast in i mean that those kind of things if you can capture that stuff on video that's just the coolest thing for me and the fact that you know now we have social media where you can share it and get it out to a bunch of people and 
and people appreciate it too. It's it's fun when you get the appreciation from people, and people think what you're doing is cool, and they appreciate your creativity. And you know, I I really enjoyed doing it for that. Um, I never really grew my YouTube channel that much because, well, for some reason or another, the the algorithm on that once you posting every single week, you know, sometimes multiple times oh, yeah. a week, harder for you to grow. And I really like doing really high quality edits or creative stuff where you've, you know, spend a lot of time putting it together and timing and you, you make a, it's, it's kind of like a, like an art piece, you know? And, and then I just couldn't crank that out. You can't crank that out that often and fast enough. Um, so I ended up growing more on Facebook and Instagram. Instagram has really taken off. Um, unfortunately, you don't make as much money on that. But <laughs> coming to this point, everyone's like, "Oh, you should have a YouTube channel. If you had that many followers on a YouTube channel, you'd be making good money." You know, and it's like, "Oh, great. Well, I'm glad I'd focused on the one that didn't make money." Um, so, but it's all about you know, for me, being able to share it and. You know, my Instagram channel has a pretty good audience and it's a lot of people who are super responsive, which is fun. I enjoy the interaction with people. I, I like the people that follow it often and comment. I try and get back to everyone I can get back to when they comment on something and that part of it's fun. And then you run into those people at some point in person and, you know, it's, I don't know, it's just awesome to be, you know, someone who can bring that to you if you're, you know, stuck at a desk job somewhere and you know you want to you want to see some of that stuff and I, I know how it feels because I do it with other people around the world I watch their stuff you know and so it's like oh man I wish I could go over there and do that and I'd you know and then one day when you make it happen then it's it's pretty awesome so that's kind of what got me into the social media part of it and then apart from that it it does help and builds up your business and that way you advertise organically and that whole part of it as well. So would you so. say, well, running this or what has been one of the biggest lessons learned after running these channels and doing, you know, all this piece with social media? Hmm. Um, huh. I'd probably say just recently finding out that, you know, just the way that and it's not even the way the algorithm where the, the algorithm really only only works um, only works exactly how people work. So if you think about how people how people digest stuff, how people watch stuff, and even how lazy we are when we're scrolling through our phones, and you know if something doesn't catch your attention in two seconds, then you're over it. And so learning, learning that is just kind of getting into people's heads on like what they want to see, you know, and that, and what's, so that part of it has been, has been a big, you know, shift and change in how, how you have to make content to grow. And also, you know, in order to get a bigger base where you can at some point make content that's longer form and, and have an audience to see it, because if you don't, you can make the most incredible film in the world, but if you only have like, you know, 400 people who follow you, then it's like, you know, where does that go? It doesn't really, it doesn't really land anywhere. It doesn't get seen by too many people and appreciated. And then you feel like you spend a ton of work on just about nothing. And, 
Um, so it's kind of this, you know, you're, you build up so that you can also, you know, share what you like, even if you're, you are fighting the algorithm at the end of the day. Um, but it also works, um, good for you as a, as a business for getting sponsors and for, you know, just in general, you, you build up to where you have an audience and people start looking and going, Oh, well, you know, you want to fish with this? You here, we'll send you some of this. And, you know, and so it's, I don't know, that whole journey, you can kind of climb that ladder as you go up and, you know, push, push where you're at on that level. And apparently numbers, numbers mean everything on that. So that's kind of, that's <laughs> the damn truth <laughs> right yeah i mean he's running the podcast here it's like you know exactly what i'm talking about yeah i mean for those of you that have ever thought about getting in this game it's a fun game it really is but it truly is a numbers game i mean it you want to make money okay you got to hit xyz wicket you know they have these things in place for what they are going to get out of that deal to be able to give you a piece of their pie. And it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's a fun one. And, but on the worst one I found too, is, is with doing this is you'll get some really off the wall, like, Hey, we'd love to sponsor you. And you're like, who are you? And what are you <laughs> offering me? And then you're like, okay, this sounds kind of cool. And then you realize it's not nearly as good as you thought it was. And it's really a bad thing. And you're like, uh -uh, no, 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 go away. Go away, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you, you do the best you can with wit. So, um, it's, it's fun there. Um, this question isn't on your paper. Um, but this one I think ties in really well with what you just said. What advice do you have for an aspiring digital creator who want to blend this passion for surf fishing with the creative endeavors? Hmm, that's a good one. Um, uh... I yeah, of know. course. I, I come up with new questions as I, as we haven't, you know, from yeah, the time no, no, I no. sent it no, to you. That's, now, I'm like, that's, Here that's we awesome. Go. I mean, that's that's a really good question because I've like I've gone down the the whole road of, you know, it's being creative and trying to film stuff by yourself is is one thing, and that um, has pretty much throughout the world translated into I'm going to have a GoPro on my chest or on my head. And, and that, and then we're going to take that and we're going to chop it up with maybe some, you know, maybe some vocal stuff or some voiceover stuff. And, and that's going to be my video. And, and so I, I kind of, you know, as entertaining as some of that stuff is, it's like, that's not the way I wanted to see a lot of the action that I was mm -hmm. seeing. So I, I went for probably the more difficult approach and probably the reason I didn't grow on YouTube and you know, the, just that whole thing is I went for straight up camera with a lens where I could zoom in and try and catch action. And most of the time, and you'll see that in a lot of my videos is I'm not in front of the camera in a lot of my videos. Um, I, I am a little bit more now, but, um, for most of the years it was me filming. So that becomes difficult. You, then you end up just being a creative. You're making like cool videos and they don't really have to do with you. And so your personality doesn't come out in the videos. And that's not really what YouTube wants. Uh, it works for Instagram. That's more of an artsy community type of, you know. But um, so I'd say for someone who's doing it new, decide where you want to go with, um, with your videos. I mean, if you want to do that, like, you know, 
first-person point of view with the with the GoPro. Um, I mean, there's some guys that do some really great jobs with that and are making good money with it on on YouTube and and doing that. I I just kind of got tired of that same point of view. Um, the reel is like right here in the shot every time, and you just it's right there, and nothing ever changes, and they're just like, oh shoot, ah. Oh, and you see him splash out. No, I didn't see him splash because you got a wide angle lens and I'm not seeing the splash that's, you know, 40 yards out there. Right. So but I want to see the splash that's 40 yards. I want to see it in slow motion. I want to see the fins come out of the water. Yeah, I want to see all that. But you don't see it because it's either, you know, the camera on the head or on the chest. So that was kind of my frustration with that. So now I found a really good buddy who loves to fish with me and he's really getting into the camera and he really loves the camera and I taught him all I know about the camera and now we're filming each other back and forth um, and I, to be honest he does a lot more filming me than I do of him but I, I did this morning I filmed him um, but uh, friendship yeah, yeah it's, it's one of those like yeah it's a so we're having fun with that and you know now I get to be in front of the camera a little bit more which is also another fun twist to it and Maybe we'll start growing the YouTube channel, making some more stuff where, you know, I guess my face is in front of the camera more, which is, you know, that's interesting. I always, I've always hated the sound of hearing my own voice. And, you know, you, in podcast world, you have to get used to that, I guess. I mean, you've heard your own voice for a lot, but most yeah. people can't stand the sound of their own voice. And, you know, I'm no exception. So, <laughs> yeah, it took a while for me to realize that, like, what I hear in one ear while I'm speaking with, you know, the headphone off <laughs> yeah. versus hearing it in my head, I'm like, they sound like that. Ooh. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and you're gonna hate it when I send you the post show and be like, "Here you go. Oh, yeah. Here's your episode. Go ahead and listen to it." I'm like, now I'm good. I, you, I trust you. <laughs> yeah, I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, all right, well, let's move into the closing question because you already nailed the other stuff with running these, and especially with social media, and you nailed some really awesome points. Um, and you guys can definitely go back and uh, we'll talk about that here in the closing questions. Uh, so. Advice for beginners. For someone who's just starting out in the surf fishing, what's one piece of advice that would you give them to get started on the right path? Well, if you have access to to it where you live and fish that area well and figure out you know, figure out the tips and tricks in your area, but then take that and try and expand from there. You know, just just move out from there and you know, you go on vacation somewhere, you go on a trip, you come to Cabo, come and try doing it down here. Go, you know, go to, go to do it mainland Mexico or go in Florida. So, I mean, they got, there's great surf fishing all around and, you know, find a style that you really enjoy and figure out how to translate it into wherever you go because fish are fish wherever you go. I mean, they, they act the same, they feed they feed in very similar manners. You'll always find predatory fish wherever you're going. And, you know, I a lot of my growing up, we didn't have cool lures down here at all. I mean, it was like you had a few different lures from Rapala. And then anything that was outside of the box was you were buying musky lures or something from the northern United States, Canada, Midwest stuff. I mean, big, weird stick bait lures that they were using to chase pike and muskie. 
and then you were ripping the hooks off of those and the split rings and throwing them in the trash and then going and uh, putting some like actual heavy stuff on and then using it for the fish around here and it was crazy how like I was buying lures that were made in Poland that they use for pike and and stuff over there and those were such an amazing lure for snapper and grouper around the rocks here I mean it was just on fire back in the day and I would ordered these things from like overseas as a kid and and it was wild so it's yeah don't don't get stuck on like just what works what everyone tells you works in your area take something that you like or and then try and adapt it you know go change it up <laughs> you might find something new something that works and you know make a video about it and you know it might be onto something you know makes sense uh, are there any fellow surf anglers, mentors, authors, or individuals who have inspired your journey and deserve a shout out? Hmm. Um, ah, there's, shoot, there's a bunch of, bunch Set of different guys around the world. I'd, yeah, <laughs> I'd say I've met a lot of guys at, at ICAST. If you guys have never been to a Taco trade show like ICAST or, you know, some of the some of the big ones in your area. That's a super fun way to network and meet people and meet cool people. And uh, I go to ICAST every year just just to do that, just to go talk with people and you end up running into some some interesting people from around the world. I my trip to Australia, I ended up doing because I met uh, a guy named Dennis Verit, um, who had caught big yellowfin tuna off the rocks. Um, out of Ascension Island, back when they let you travel to that island out there. He fished that back when it was still legal to travel out there and caught some really big fish. And that kind of sparked our land-based search. And we went to Australia and spent a month camping out there and fishing. And that was that was a fun one. Um, the guy, uh, Crazy Alberto, if you ever look him up online, he's... Uh, He's an East Coast fisherman. He fishes big striped bass, big snook, um, and he's got some really interesting methods of fishing. He's he's been doing it a long time, and he he's got some things that he talks about where fishing the non-human hours, which is kind of a cool thing. Which interesting, you know, yeah, being saying that the the biggest biggest fish come out in the non-human hours, you know, in the you know, the middle of the, the night, those like two, three in the morning and, and he's got the fish to back it up too. So that's, that's a really cool theory and it works really well in his area, obviously. Um, and so it's, yeah, his name is Al Alberto Kine, I think is his, his name, but cr crazy, crazy Alberto is, and he's the one who, if you ever heard of the, uh, Alberto, the Alberto knot, mm-hmm. um, which is like an improved Albright knot, the Alberto knot. He came up with that. That's named after him. Of course. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> now, see, learning just occurred for me. I didn't realize where it came from. That's really yeah, cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he's a very, very cool guy. He uh, he works very closely with St. Croix rods. So whenever you go to ICAST or something, he'll be hanging around that booth. I wonder if I met him last year. I unfortunately didn't get to go this year. I was uh, busy getting something done. And uh, ah. Yeah. I, uh, I, unfortunately, I've been waiting a while for that one. So I missed ICAST this year. I went last year and loved it. Absolutely. Uh -huh. had a great time. I went with the fish bites team. 
and uh it, it was a lot of fun and you're right man it's a hell of a networking and you can learn so much and it was also the sign where i realized how tiny surf fishing is in the fishing world you know i used uh -huh. to think we were I mean, we got so much we got so much water man we're yeah. We are the water. And then you realize, oh, crap, Bass owns this game. We don't own this game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, trust me. All, all the funding that I try and go for, for any kind of media creation or fun trips or anything, it's like oh, I always get met with, oh, we spent all of our budget on bass fishing. Yeah. Like, what? It's like, come on. I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to catch this world record and something off the rocks. And you can't give me, you know, nope, we already spent, you know, $70,000 on What's-His-Face, who's the champion bass fisherman. It's like... <laughs> Gosh, dang it, you couldn't even give me a couple for, you know. And, yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah, the bass game is king because, you know, they make they make 80, 90% of, of their earnings off of off of bass. So, I mean, it makes sense. It's yeah. Not, um, yeah, it's not really, a, not really a, a question or competition, you know. I, no. I'd, I'll let them have it. But I'm still going to fight for, you know my little piece of budget at the end of the day to go. Hell yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you? <laughs> Absolutely. Would. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we're coming down to the last four questions here and we'll get mm -hmm. you out of here. Um, what's a message you'd like listeners that listen to this episode to take away from the conversation about surf fishing today? Hmm. Um, surf fishing is definitely one of those ones. It's a, it's a hard way to catch fish. It's not the easiest way to catch fish in the world. If you want the easiest way, go out on a boat and go, go do that. So, um, on the flip side, enjoy, really enjoy what you're doing. Um, just enjoy the process of it. Enjoy the learning, um, get out there and enjoy the morning. I mean, I don't know. I, I always get out there on the beach and it's like, you know, God made that sunrise for me that morning. And, you know, those fish that are coming up, you know, God painted that morning for me. So get out there and appreciate that part of it. And I don't know. It, if you catch a fish at the end of the day and it happens to be a good one, then, man, that's that's a bonus. Very nice bonus. Very good. All right. Where can listeners find more about your content, learn from your experiences, and stay updated on your surf fishing adventures? Hmm. Um, mostly, I would say I'm probably most active on Instagram. Cabo Surfcaster on Instagram. Um, I'll do stories and I'll be posting reels on there. Uh, I'm trying to shift a little bit more into some of the other platforms to try and grow that a little bit more facebook is another decent one um don't get back to people quite as quickly on there um but yeah and we're gonna start trying to post more on youtube we got a, a few fun things coming up this year that we want to want to be doing and hopefully posting on there um but yeah i mean i'd say you want to see the most recent stuff going on it's probably going to go up on instagram very cool i will make sure i'm looking more at instagram because i me and Instagram, we're not we're not friends right now. We're we're having some we're having some anger. Uh, yeah, uh, I can I can imagine that. Yeah. All right. Final question, and uh, this has been great, man. But what's next for you? Ah, next. Uh, that's an exciting one here. Um, here's what here's what's in the works. I'm I'm trying trying to plan a trip um, down to Colombia. Um, nice. yeah, so there's, there's some, some areas in Colombia on the Pacific side that I would like to get out to and fish and 
try and chase that those those bucket list fish we talked about earlier in the episode. That um, oof, that I think it can happen. And uh, talking to some of the locals down there, kind of like I was telling you, you should do when you go to fish a new area. Talk to people, ask them questions, figure out what they what they catch, and. You know, they're always going to be doing it in the traditional way. Sometimes the, you know, what everyone else is doing. And that's obviously, if you've seen any of what I do, that's kind of not how I do it. So, um, going down there and doing it a different way and, and catching those fish and, you know, talking to him, he goes, well, shoot, I've been following you for a while. And like, you could definitely take those fish off your list. If you come down here, like I have spots where, you know, it's wild. It's just, you know, nobody fishes it. We'll fish it in the boat sometimes and close enough that you could easily cast from shore. And I've been following your stuff. I'd love to get you out there and try and see if you can catch them because none of us have ever, ever even gotten off on the rocks. And, you know, and I'm like, well, shoot, you put me there and I'll, I'll do it. You know, (laughs) challenge accepted. yeah, so that's a that's a trip right now that we're we're planning. Hopefully, end of next month, um, and yeah, we're working on getting some funding. I think uh, there's the possibility of Saltwater Sportsman being involved in it as well. Um, Very nice. That'll Love be that'll guys. be fun. So you might might see something about mm-hmm. it there um, if they can get the if they can get the sponsors all all lined up for that. Um, you know, I'm working on trying to get my sponsors lined up and trying to snake some money away from the bass guys. And, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, regardless, that's a, that's a kind of a bucket list trip and fish for me. So I think I'm going to, I'm going to make it happen regardless. We're going to try and do it and you know, we're going to go and film it and film some cool stuff. And, you know, maybe hopefully you'll see, uh, one or two of those bucket list fish crossed off the list and posted up there with a fun video. So dude, that'd be awesome. I'm so excited for you. That's what's next. I think. Yeah. Oh, well you have done such an amazing job in this episode, just like you do in all your stuff. I mean, this was wonderful. You gave so much great knowledge. A lot of people are going to just be able to do so many great things with fishing. And, uh, hopefully, I mean, if I'm in Cabo, uh, I will call you well before I leave to come to Cabo, but, uh, I will happily try to come out and book and fish with you. And we'd love to go do that. And I know that this episode is going to help a ton of people. So thank you so much for coming on and giving us the time today. I really appreciate it. Wes. No, it was a blast. Thanks. No, that's, that's what we do it for is to share it with other people. And, you know, this is, it's cool to get the, the word out there, the info. And, um, if you, yeah, like I said, if you want to follow along with some of that stuff that we're doing, it's yeah, that's probably online's the best way to do it. And um, I really appreciate all the people who are following along and commenting on stuff, and you know, it's encouraging. You know, I do it for for other people like that. So, yeah, awesome. Thanks for having me. No problem. All right, we will talk to you again soon. You take care. Right on. You too. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yeah, I got a ton of knowledge. I got a whole page and a half of notes. It's pretty insane. Uh, <laughs> but hopefully you guys picked up some stuff. Make sure you're going back and taking a look at Wes's stuff. It's Cabo Surfcaster. You can find them on the social media platforms. Great info to follow. Lots of good stuff. And like you just heard, some really cool stuff coming in the future. Thanks for hanging out here at Finding Demo Surfish. And always good to see you. Always thankful that you're here. Share it out. All we do is learn from each other, right? It's the only way we can make each other better. Learn and continue. Been good. I'll see you.
I'm out of here. <laughs>